Honorable mention, Miss Marvel. Do the old school gotta, screen out. Slip one in. You, you gotta, you gotta get it down to three. We're not doing no, no honorable <laughs> mentions. Like, pick your three and stand on their three. All right. I've already done one of these, so I'm already ready to go. <laughs> Welcome to episode 23 of Podcast X. I am Ben Kendrick. I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Keys. Hello and good evening. And special guest, Kofi Outlaw. What up? All right, this week, um, we're recording a little bit late. I felt, I whatever Rob had the week that we had to take off because his whole family was super sick, somehow made it all the way down from Canada to me. Because I was very, very sick this week. So the guys graciously allowed me to um, punt to further in the week. I'm feeling better, so I'm ready to get going on this. And it actually kind of worked out to our benefit a little bit because one of the subjects that we wanted to talk about was kind of the Hollywood Reporter report that came out basically saying that James Gunn was scrapping everything that people were starting to get excited about, about Henry Cavill coming back, DC News, all that kind of stuff. So... Um, we're going to break that down. There's been some updates since then from Gunn himself, as well as kind of counter reports. And we'll also be offering up our top picks for the best TV shows of 2022. So Kofi has limited us to three picks, no honorable mentions. We got to draw a hard line at three. We'll be talking about our picks. Um, that'll be a little bit later in the show. So first, um, let's get started on this DC news. So basically the Hollywood reporter came out, said that essentially as, as Gunn has been kind of putting together the 10 year plan for the DC universe, which is, you know, we've joked previously on the podcast. This is like, this has got to be like the fourth or fifth 10 year plan in the amount of time that, uh, the three of us have been covering this industry, but essentially that a lot of the things that people thought were gaining steam, like, Henry Cavill showing back up at the end of um, at the end of Black Adam, and that meaning that he's back. And Wonder Woman three, we knew, was about to go into actual like production because the script was coming in. Um, that all of these things have basically been wiped from the table, and they were essentially starting over. The report kind of danced around that idea a little bit and said, you know, there were like three or four different pathways that Gunn was exploring, and that you know, maybe some of these things would still be worked out kind of as the plan solidified. But the general kind of reception to this report and the general sentiment in the sort of aftermath of it was that all of these things that people were excited about were going to be kind of wiped off um, and that we were we were sort of back to the idea that the Flash would probably like reset the DCU entirely and you know, and we would be talking about a lot of recasting and, and everything. It'd be the last time Aquaman two would be the last time we'd see Momoa's Aquaman was another, uh, another piece of the report. Cavill not coming back. Wonder woman three being scrapped and potentially, um, you know, not continuing with gal. That was like a day after gal had posted this 
message on Instagram, essentially thanking the fans and talking about how she couldn't wait to share the next, next yeah, chapter. That's not, maybe that's a, that's a definitely. Yeah, for sure. So, um, a lot of kind of, a lot of kind of weird stuff happened, um, around that. And then kind of the latest updates gun sort of directly responded to fans who were asking about the report. And he kind of said like, nothing is really set in stone. He effectively said that the report is, you know, is overreaching and that, you know, while some of the things that are mentioned in the report could end up happening just because it could end up happening, there really isn't like a plan right now to not recast Cavill or to not continue with another Wonder Woman with Gal or to not have uh, have um, Momoa back. That was the other thing I forgot to mention from the report is that they had basically said that he would come back, though, as Lobo. As opposed to uh, as opposed to Aquaman, well, sort, sort of, of. sort of, yeah. They're they're yeah. connecting the dots that we already sort of know. It, it, yeah. The whole thing is weird. James Gunn, since taking this role, we talked about this three or four episodes when it first happened. Um, he's been teasing images, and yeah, people are taking it literally. They probably shouldn't. Some just show multiple heroes in the picture. Some of them are, are obscure characters you wouldn't think would lead a project at least now. Um, yeah. But of course, yeah, this THR report is weird, but there's a more insidious thing going on here. It's like you're, it's, and this goes back to what I've always thought was a weird issue at Warner Brothers with the DC Universe is that they always, they've always had multiple production companies vying for a piece of the pie, right? Belanti's right. house, they had Bad Robot under J.J. Abrams, which ended up doing <laughs> nothing. Um, <laughs> Snyder's thing, which they're trying to clean up. James Gunn had his own little circle, and they're all, they're, they're not cohesive. Like the story is not cohesive. And it, we're not even talking about Matt Reeves' little thing and Todd Phillips' little thing as well. On top of that, there's no plan. There's never been a quote-unquote plan ever since yeah. that investor's call 10 years ago, which they completely failed to get past after one year. Um, but the insidious thing here is the PR game everyone's playing and, and, and using the trades as what we all – one of the reasons we all hate the trades – and I, I I'll say this, Boris Kitt did this big report with TH car. I love Boris Kitt, but I'm saying the yeah. trades, <laughs> I do not like trades as a concept and how they operate. And I'll tell you why here. THR broke this shit down saying, uh, you, you know, these guys, it's not just James Gunn, it's Peter Safran, of course, are the two guys yeah, in right. the studios. Um, yeah. They came back from Aspen, you know, the little little snowy getaway where they're starting to blueprint out the future. <laughs> and, and of course, they're just starting. I mean, and there's always there's all this baggage of these unreleased projects coming up. And of course the flash being the big reset, the Aquaman two is coming up after multiple delays, Shazam two, all these huge projects that are already done and, and on the way. So they can't do anything until these contractually obligated projects come out. That includes, um, uh, blue beetle, which you happily teased last week as well with a nice little poster. If you haven't seen that, it's actually a cool poster. Um, yeah. So, yeah, like you said, Ben, the, the response to this was some of this is true, some of it's not. Some of it is like partially true, and we don't fucking know yet because we're still figuring it out. But ahead of the story, so you know all the trades are digging around trying to get comments. Like you said, Gal Gadot said, oh, I'm excited to tell you the future, even though that same day, the day before Patty Jenkins peaced out. So, like, Wonder Woman 3, as we knew it, is gone. The script got canceled. They offered her a chance. Before James Gunn and Peter Safran spoke to her, she didn't even want to talk to them. The, the DC current heads... Um, offered her a chance to rewrite it under this new plan. And they, she just said, no, I'm out. So that doesn't mean Gal Gadot's out. It just means they got to figure that out, right? Um, but here's the thing. Going into this as well, uh, I think it was Variety said Black Adam was like on pace to lose 50 to 100 million theatrically, given the inflated budget and the reshoots and COVID and all that craziness, the marketing budget. And then The Rock, however, uses Deadline, the worst of the trades, 
to say, no, 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 here's how it's profitable. And he wrote a big feature explaining how it's profitable. And The Rock, the day after Gal Gadot tweets her thing, tweets his part of the story, which is like, I just confirmed with my financiers. My movie is definitely $50 million in the green, in the green or in the black. It's <laughs> profitable. So it's like, wait, what is it? So <laughs> Deadline says it's profitable because The Rock and Seven Bucks told them it's profitable. And then on the other side, Variety is saying it's not profitable because Warner Bros. Insiders say it's not. Um and then the Patty Jenkins of it all, like it's so weird. Like each of these like companies is using a different trade to tell their story in like this PR war, which is absurd. Yeah. So James has to sift through all of that while also dealing with the fucking most angsty fans we've ever seen on social media. This is like, this is the Snyder cut 2.0 about to begin here. And that's why Gunn to his credit is very savvy. And has been through the worst of this, having been fired and rehired from Disney says, look, whatever I do, not everyone's going to be happy. But we are going to honor these characters. We are going to have one cohesive vision, finally, a plan that crosses movie, TV, and video games. Um, but yeah, at this point, it's too early to tell. So it's, it's really hard to see what's truthful or not. And I am curious now, as part of this THR report, Black Adam's not getting a sequel as of now. Man yeah. of Steel's not getting a sequel as of now. doesn't mean Kill's done, but that's not happening. The Wonder Woman 3 script is scrapped. Maybe a good thing because the scripts for the last two movies had major fucking problems. Oh man, did we? Did you guys see the? I don't remember who I saw reporting it. Maybe it was Variety or Deadline or something. What the? What was going to happen with Steve Trevor allegedly in that script? Oh, again, yeah, someone said he's going to come back again, right? They were going to. Yeah, this at least according to this report, and I I can't remember where I saw it, so you know it could be one of the outlets that just makes stuff up, um, and you know, and post it for clicks or something, but it was that she was going to take him to the Lazarus pit and, re- and resurrect oh my God. him. So like, we we're going to get Chris Pine back again as Steve Trevor, which, you know, I mean, I think we all love Steve Trevor, Chris Pine, but man, I mean, they like, if, if Patty Jenkins like wanted him to be such a big part of this trilogy, she should not have killed him in the first movie. Like, it's so, it's so weird that they, uh, there's just this obsession with like, like she can't be with anybody else in this trilogy. Um, yeah that's cringe very very weird but um but yeah i mean based on that like i'm glad that's not happening because uh it did not it did not sound super great based on that if that if that's yeah, true. It sounded like some shit that jenkins need to figure out with her therapist <laughs> between this and rogue squadron i'm beginning to think that lady is just using the movies for three for fucking free therapy um, <laughs> and your dad's an airline yeah. pilot who you lost and you can't get rid of this airline or this pilot character who you keep resurrecting from the dead, and you're then you're going to make a Star Wars pilot movie. Like you might just want to work on that, you know. Yeah. Post therapy, Kofi says you might want to go to therapy for that girl. Yeah. <laughs> um, this this response from Gun to this one dude was pretty freaking funny though. That like, um, that was like going after Gun about uh, the Henry Cavill stuff, saying oh, that he yeah. hates Henry Cavill. And like, I mean, I'm not going to name this handle because I don't want to give this dude any more, uh, any more, you know, attention than he already got. But he was saying, you know, like even more people have told me you hate him after the after this. And like James Gunn reacted with, "So weird, you seem so plugged in." Anyway, I just had 40 people reach out to me to say you just got kicked out of your mom's basement. So sorry, man. Um, so he was like, Gunn was coming for people. Uh, that was the day before he uh, he posted the 44 year thing, I think, but. Actually, maybe that was the same day anniversary of Superman coming and hitting theaters. But, um, Kofi, you, you talked about this on your other show at your day job. Do you have any uh, thoughts on all this gun 
like DC planning scrap. Whoa, Siri, chill out. Well, you know, it's a new dawn. It's a new day. Before, Warner Brothers used to be a viper pit of competing executives always stepping on each other's toes and never letting anything get forward. But now it's all different. So I'm just happy about that, about how different it all is. (laughs) And so, like, you know. I feel like Warner Brothers just breaks people. Like, I feel like people come in, they have real successful careers. They're like really happy. They're like, I'm going to get my hands around this challenge. And then they just like leave in disgrace. And or with, like, Ray Fisher possibly throwing shit at them. I don't know. And it's just like, yeah. I hope that doesn't happen to James Gunn because James Gunn's a good guy. And he did well. I mean, he did some really positive things for the DCU. And I, I hope. And you just see what he's already gotten. Like <laughs> before he's even started the job, he went for one meeting and then like people were like, I'll kill you. It's just like, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Like, okay. Um, yeah. But yeah. And, and like, he's right. Like he's not going to make everybody happy with this. Like it's not possible. This fandom is like all over the place. Like if he brings Snyder verse back like half the world's gonna slap its forehead and groan like that naked gun fucking sequence and if he's like <laughs> all right well snyder had a great run we honor him but it's done then he's gonna be having people throw hashtags at him for the next four years so yeah you know i don't know i'm just like that sebastian stan gif i don't know um but um yeah man it's just like we tried to sift through this on my day job show at the excellent comic book nation. Um, the only show that does it all for geek culture. We tried to get our heads around some of this and it's just like, yeah, at this point, what do you do? I think a lot of people, there's also like the flash of it all. We haven't even gotten into people are so pissed at the flash and all this it seems to be surviving. Yeah. And it's like, I, I really do think they put a lot of hopes on giving themselves a reset button with that movie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I think we all have to go see The Flash just to see the last final epilogue yeah. of, like, what the new DCU looks like. It's just going to be the investor call all over again, except in yeah. a cinematic... In the cinematic just The Flash film. running by saying, like, hi to people we're going to see in movies. Yeah, like, yeah. exactly. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, I've been burned too many times. You know, I, I've gotten happy too many times. I've been burned too many times. I've been willing to give DC a chance to like reinvest in all their crazy new plans that they have. And then I end up having to walk out of green lanterns. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. Or, you know, ask like, what the fuck was this movie that I just saw? Give me the real Batman V Superman. And then finally they do like, you know, months later or the real justice league years yeah, later. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's been a mess, but, um, I think James Gunn's going to at least come up with a plan. He's going to take a shot. And I think the plan will make some people happy. And, you know, that's the most you can hope for. I think, you know, I don't know about any beef between him and Cavill or any of that shit. But I think, you know, I don't think James Gunn's nuts. I don't think James Gunn's the guy who's going to try to, like, build a DC without the main trinity of Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. You know what I mean? Like, I think he's going to lean into that stuff. So... You know, I yeah. was here for the whole idea. Walter Hamada's crazy, like new age DC with the, you know, Supergirl and Batgirl leading the way instead. But I think, you know, I think Gunn will have a, because just look at the suicide squad, right? Like Gunn understands a mix of, you know, traditional stuff, but like kind of 
both not not new age but director signature stuff like letting a director put their own stamp on some of the kind of familiar iconic stuff and in that movie he did everything from like a serious suicide squad 70 style mission in south american revolutionaries to fucking starro so he's been all over the i mean the map with his and so i think he understands variety I think he understands kind of like core components of these characters and kind of like what needs to happen. And we saw with Peacemaker that he can do it in a multimedia format that feels kind of like oddly better and more cohesive than a lot of the stuff we saw on Disney plus in terms of like fitting into a larger franchise. You know what I mean? And so Mm -hmm. I think those are all good skills to have. I think Peter Safran knows about producing movies so I think we just got to wait and see. And I don't think anybody, and I think it might be killing us that we don't have for the first time, like a, a, just a set of fucking ideas already in front of us. That's like, here's what we're going to try to do. And then we can all yell about it. But I think yeah. that's coming. Up, like, so I, I'm yeah. just happy that he said he's going with no limits on kind of gorilla or ape appearances. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the uh, I'm I'm kind of with you. Like, I sort of like the his sentiment that he is going. His main focus is to do right by the characters. Is you know you could view that as like sort of PR gobbledygook, but I do think this is a guy who genuinely cares about a lot of these comic characters and and has a history with them. And he's also kind of an underdog himself. He's not like a you know he's not like a studio guy. He's kind of been the guy that comes in and you know and does something unique so i feel like i feel like he's kind of earned an opportunity for for us to trust that he's not just going to go in and blow this whole thing up and i don't know where this like he hates henry cavill stuff comes from i guess that's because some of that was from speculation because of the fact that like cavill was one of the people that wasn't shown at the end of peacemaker right it was like he was shown in silhouette or whatever but i mean you know at that point this was pre i mean up until September, Superman wasn't going to be in Black Exactly. Island. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's blocking. Yeah, I don't think that was. I, yeah, I, don't, I think people get that wrong. I don't think. I think that was a mandate from DC. I'm sure totally. James yeah. Gunn wanted the full Justice League. Yeah. And they were like, "Bitch, you can have you ha- you can have <laughs> Wonder Woman, a Flash, and like part of or Flash of Aquaman, and like part of a Wonder Woman or something." And they, yeah. Batman was there don't too. mention that. Yeah, and don't mention that cyborg guy. He doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah because. Uh, yeah, I mean, exactly. Like, it, I mean, it's the same as thing as the Shazam cameo, right? Where it's like, you know, he sits down at the lunch table, you don't see his face. Like, that's how I took it. I didn't take it as though, you know, these filmmakers, like, are intentionally trying to, like, piss on Henry Cavill. The one thing I will say about all this that is kind of nuts, though, is, man, Cavill just, like, jumped ship on The Witcher because his, like, Superman stuff was spinning back up. So I hope for shit that he is going to get to come back as Superman because, I mean, I know there was more to The Witcher stuff, but... It's hard not to read some of that as like, you know, he felt. No, we know Superman was a, we all, we all know Superman was a big incentive there. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cause like, you know, you get to pick and choose, like you get to be the dude who walks out on your show that you star in because you're starting to feel like it strays too much from the source material when you're about to walk into one of the biggest roles of, you know, Hollywood basically again. You don't do that necessarily if you are kind of looking around and you've got Enola Holmes and a few other things going on. Um, so I do, I do, I would like, I really do kind of hope that he's able to take the Snyderverse stuff and like make it his own and kind of bring it all together. Because I do think it would be a shame because we've said before, whether you like 
the Snyderverse, you know, direction or tone, the casting of that main Trinity and just pretty much the Justice League in general was pretty spot on. Like those were really great and in some ways, very unique choices for some of these characters. I mean, you know, when people picture Aquaman. Lex Luthor we're ever going to get. <laughs> that's, that's right. Go back to our Screen Man Underground live reaction to that casting. But, um, but you know, I mean, no one would have thought Jason Momoa as Aquaman before that. And I don't even think a lot of people would have thought of somebody like Gal Gadot for Wonder Woman. So I didn't. You guys wrote articles defending them before when they were first cast, when the rest of the world was like, what are they doing, yeah, right? Totally, so, yeah. And I mean, these things proved out to be you like – defend really, a Momoa and a goddamn Aquaman movie. People were like nuts and people were yeah. – scr- oh, my God. The Gal Gadot stuff was so ugly. That shit yeah, got real nasty. Yeah, it was like, everybody was just like, oh, the hot chick from Fast and Furious. And I was like, well, you know, like this chick. I remember we had those conversations. Those, nice like, this is a- those were the nice comments. Yes. Yeah, for sure. We were, we're talking like, about I'm- cutting off breasts and arrows and like, yeah, yeah, Amazons. It got real bizarre, that whole conversation. Yeah. I just remember us talking about how like she's probably the only actress in Hollywood that like could kick someone's ass before she joined Hollywood, right? Like. Yeah. Because yeah. she actually was like a fucking soldier and stuff. She was a yeah. fucking fitness trainer in the Israeli army. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, if you can't was. play Wonder Woman after that, like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. I'm trained <laughs> sure. in high-proficient weapons, strategies, attack strategies, and I, I keep it tighter than every other soldier. Like, yeah, yeah, like, I mean, it was stupid. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I do kind of hope you know, even if they break the continuity and sort of reset it with the flash and it's like some of the Snyderverse stuff, you know, never actually happened or whatever, but we get these actors and they get to go on to do more sequels in this, in this universe. I'm, uh, I'm here for that. I, I hope they are able to kind of keep that together. Um, yeah. I have a few final thoughts on this. So the Cavill thing is also obviously the news of there potentially being no Man of Steel 2. Immediately, people are blaming Gunn, but I don't think it necessarily means that, right? We know he also said on Twitter straight up, like Superman is extremely important, if not the most important character. So, so Superman is a centerpiece, yeah. Regardless, and I'm, you know, I, I, I really at this point don't see them recasting Cavill, so yeah. I, I wouldn't be worried about that. Um, yeah. That being said, Cavill has – I'm not worried about his career. Uh, screw The Witcher. I love The Witcher, but, man, he's got like Argyle and Highlander and a billion other things. He can do whatever he wants. And I'm sure MCU, yeah. Kevin Feige would give him a job <laughs> if this whole thing broke <laughs> Um But um, with the James Gunn-Peter Safran thing, it, it's very exciting. Um, and maybe we feel like a broken record because we – I feel like the three of us especially for over a decade now, it's every two years. It's a reset. Let's talk about the future. And it's like this time I think it's actually it thanks to you know corporate acquisitions. Um, but these guys, what's interesting is that they actually feel like they're in control um, starting like last week. And what's exciting about that is that ego is no longer a factor. And you can tell from the Gal Gadot, Patty Jenkins situation, from The Rock like <laughs> seeking attention on social media. It's like it doesn't matter if you're The Rock. It doesn't matter if your seven bucks production company made Shazam and Black Adam and the animated Super Pets film. Like that doesn't mean anything. If your movie is not good enough for the plan going forward, you can take a seat. That's exciting to me because I, I think part of the problem is all these different Hollywood veteran producers and super directors and stars all like vying for their own piece of the pie, right? And I think that's that's backwards. It should be starting from Peter Safran and James Gunn and working outward. Yeah. On the flip side, 
as much as I love James Gunn's work, uh, both in the MCU and the DCU, and you can argue stuff in the DCU is the best they've done, right? Peacemaker is incredible, and I thought the Suicide Squad yeah. was one of the probably most solid films they've done in this era, right? Yeah. Um, but all of his projects do not involve A-list characters. It's yeah, Peacemaker, sure. who two, three years ago, you're like, who the fuck is that, right? And then it's the, the, look at this, the Suicide Squad roster. He's got his brother playing a fucking like, rat. Like, it's like, these yeah. are not, this is not Superman and like, you know, Green Lantern level characters who people actually care about the canonical history or some version yeah. of that, right? Same with Guardians. Nobody knew who they were, so he could play fast and loose and get all the creative freedom he wants with their origins and, and, honoring the comics, so to speak. But if he's coming in, they have to reset the Justice League, which absolutely is part of the plan. He can't do that anymore. These are like icon level, A tier. Well, Rob, he could have the Suicide Squad kill the Justice League. Man, I like that. Maybe even in an upcoming video game called Suicide Squad (laughs) kill the Justice League or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tie Yeah. There you go. So you knew that, um, that was how the shared universe was going to kick off as a video game, an Indian universe video game where the Justice League or the Justice League is murdered by the Suicide Squad. True, true. Uh, although that uh, King Shark is very different than his Stallone version. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. <laughs> same with Harley Quinn, right? But yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's cool, man. It's 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 interesting to see what they're going to do. I, I kind of hope he is the two of them are effectively there for Kevin Feige, which is funny. We joked about these people like James Gunn doing this a couple of years ago and it's actually happening. So I am very curious a year or two from now when they do their big presentation and James Gunn is on stage being like, here's phase two, baby. And it's always like, you know what I mean? Like their buildup of a cohesive universe of HBO max programming or max programming, if they rebrand it. Um, And uh, you know, buildups to justice league resets and whatnot. So we'll see. He did, uh, he did produce bright burn. Which you know was Which kind of like a Superman movie. His family made that film too. I think it's like siblings or cousins made that or whatever. Yeah, yeah. 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 None of this good for yeah. him. Couldn't be me, bro. Yeah, Couldn't but that's it. It was me. yeah, it was written by his cousins. That's right. Yeah. yeah. No, but um, I mean that's the thing about James Gunn too is. I think we got to separate out a couple things. Like first, yeah, that's how he chooses to make movies. But I think he also understands how to let other people make movies. And kind of do it. So I think he knows like when he can do something versus he can't. But I think he'll be good at finding the right people who come with the right ideas that yeah. kind of get the character and could talk with him about it and, and kind of talk about how to like realize those characters. He'll recognize the right people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So these are not all James Gunn movies. So um, yeah, that he's not making every single one of them. And I think it's good to have somebody like him because he well he work i mean he knows how to wrangle big personalities and big egos and make them all have fun and feel like part of a family and part of a group and part of the same mission and you saw what he did on both kind of guardians and the suicide squad that had some of the like biggest collection of people involved right yeah and you never see anybody kind of coming away from those talking shit about james gunn like yeah. everybody just kind of says how much fun they had on that project and like how good it was and like, you know, taken care of and how much of a family they had and all that good shit. So I think, you know, and I think that's, we underestimate how much of that is part of being a Feige, right? We can now say that word like it's about a unicorn or some shit, but part yeah. of being Kevin Feige is 
Marvel getting these actors to put on this silly shit and harnesses for fucking 15 years of their career and feel good and like feel and, you know, hanging out with each other and joking on social media with each other and doing all this shit. And so I think James Gunn's good at that. And I think James Gunn will first like not make Gal Gadot feel like a piece of meat, which will be good. Like he can, he knows how to kind of do that. Um, and he will have the actors invested because they know there's a plan. They know where they're going. He'll be good at like getting them the PR of like helping them deal with the reality that they have to be in the, cause DC has been like really just sloppy about their game, about getting their stars out there. Like it's pretty much the stars doing it themselves. Yeah. Like just, but having like a cohesive social media game to like, keep fans fed and teased and James Gunn does that great. Like knowing we're all looking kind of like teasing us, fucking with us sometimes calling us out when we say shit that he knows isn't true and kind of killing rumors like right away. And he's going to be all over that too. So like, that's all good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's I mean, a lot of upsides to having him like where he is right now. And yeah, I just kind of, I, I think at the end of the day, he's good because he's going to be in the room not talking about what strategy of story is going to get them a billion dollars and here's how to do it piece by piece. He's going to be like, it's going to be fucking cool when like this big event happens and Darkseid fucking is in the middle and like all this shit and Superman's wailing on Darkseid, but he can't win without Batman and that fucking shit's epic and like... Yeah. Once we get there, people are going to be losing their fucking minds. I'm losing my mind like right now. And like, let's do this shit and then, you know, work from there. So, and and that's kind of what they need here. Cause I mean, the thing, the difference between Marvel and DC, if you really want to get down to it, like Marvel studios versus Warner brothers, DC is Kevin Feige is a creative comic book nerd who knew that he wanted to see that moment in Endgame, like, you know, a decade or more before he got there that he, he wanted to have that awesome build up to that awesome moment. And because he's a creative geek and he loves comics and he knows what a crossover is and what an event is and how that shit should fucking feel. And so he did that, but then he also had to handle all the business shit. And so I think gun is going to be that kind of spark because that's who he is. He's eccentric. He's kind of zany. He's passionate. And like him being in a room and getting us to that big event and saying, this is going to be fucking awesome. Getting all the executives on board with the money, getting all the stars on board to act it out and be committed to the bullshit and get like different creative teams that he puts together, all kind of working together towards that same end goal of we got here together and made this big DC shit and fuck that Marvel shit. Like, you know, I think he can do it. Yeah. Um, I'll say one more thing, and then we can, I think, probably move on. But uh, yep. him and Peter Safran are both, uh, from an in- industry perspective, very smart about money and spending and budgets. They are uh, Gunn is historically known for that. I think he made like Super or Slither on like three million or something. Like, yeah. Um, and I remember all these stories about Guardians One. They had to like recycle all the metal shit they used for like the the, the nowhere prison and like move it around just so they can <laughs> save dollars. Uh, and of course, Peter Safran's track record of, of, of like uh, financial successes at Warner Brothers involved like being smart on budget as well, but. To what Kofi's point is saying is also true. Um, not only are people 
the crews behind the scenes and in front of this, like in front of the camera, love working with him. And you can just look back to the entire cast of Guardians defending him on social media when Disney fired him. Um, in fact, some of them, like Batista said, I wouldn't even make this film unless he used a script. So, like, I mean, yeah. that speaks volumes. There are not many actors who will do that against Disney, of all people. Um, so that was huge. Uh, and he knows the material. Um, but the the most notable thing to me is how more than most people we get to hear about in the MCU, he, he has always planned ahead meticulously to the point where – he charted out character arcs for Guardians 3 when Guardians 1 was finished. But beyond that, when he does an individual project, he himself storyboards every single scene and writes it. And he can rewrite it on the fly when he's because he, he's the producer, writer, director. He does it all, right? Um, yeah. His planning aspect and planning head and his combined with his knowledge of the comics and characters um, and having control, like these, these are all the key pieces and key ingredients you need to make him a version of Kevin Feige, but who's not just a producer. He's someone who can – beyond set writing and directing as well. Um, So that's very interesting. So uh, for that, I I agree with everything Kofi just said. So more exciting to be had. I'm excited too. Like, I feel like if you, if you go in looking at James Gunn and feel like James Gunn is going to betray like the Snyderverse or betray, you know, other things that people have liked, like that's just kind of a bummer because I feel like James Gunn is a really good example of someone who just kind of is one of us. Like, this is the way that, you know, we would, like, we always talk about, you know, how, like, Kofi in particular talks about, you know, how he wants to, like, just, like, be a script doctor and stuff for, like, you know, for these Hollywood superhero movies, because the stuff is, like, m- simpler than, you know, than sometimes it seems to come across based on the quality of the products that we're getting. But it's, like, this is a dude who I would trust to be in a room, you know, with someone who's talking about like a Superman movie they want to they want to write and having that guy be like, well, that's not really Superman, is it? Or, you know, well, what if he did this? This would be really cool. I feel like that's a guy that represents us well. And he's going to have to walk a line. And I think that's what he's acknowledging when he says he's not going to be able to make everybody happy. He's not probably going to be able to just like restore the Snyderverse or completely, you know, jettison everything that the Snyderverse did because what he's ultimately going to be doing is like looking at, okay, what do the next 10 years look like? You know, I know that Superman is quote a high priority and people really like Gal Gadot in this role. And Jason Momoa is a lot of fun. And you know, there's, we got Michael Keaton, but people also like Ben Affleck. Like, I feel like he's the guy to kind of sit in there and say, you know, how can we make as many people happy and do these characters justice as possible? Not just be like, yeah, like I feel like sometimes with these things, it's like someone wants to be the smartest person in the room. And that's how we end up with these just like crazy different plans because they're just shitting on the plan that came before theirs and presenting the new path forward. That's just going to save everything. And I feel like he's kind of the guy that could go in there and pick up the best parts of all of these different, you know, like these different sort of regimes that have been handling us over the last 12 years and and cobble together something that's going to be really exciting and then and then move it forward in a way where there's energy and momentum actors want to actually get on board now because there's a cohesive plan or they don't have to show up for 10 movies they can only be in a couple movies but still be part of the dcu like i do i do feel like he's the kind of guy that can do that um so i i still remain optimistic i was you know, I was disappointed when that initial THR report, even though it was vague as shit, I still thought it was kind of even reading it. It was sort of like they weren't really standing by anything other than that Patty Jenkins Wonder Woman 3 was like not going to happen the way that Patty Jenkins had planned, at least. Um, 
but I was still kind of, you know, optimistic that even if I lose my Henry Cavill Superman sequel somewhere in the midst of this, ultimately I'm going to be happy with where Superman is, you know, six years from now or something as part of this plan. So we'll, uh, we will see as the details start to uh, actually come together, but we want to talk, you know, it's kind of the years wrapping up. We only probably have a couple more podcasts ahead of us before we, you know, turn off our mics for, for 2022 and get ready for 2023. But um, one of the things we want to talk about is, you know, a lot of these TV shows we've been watching and talk about what the best TV shows of 2022 were for each of us. Um, we've Kofi was mentioning it kind of in our, in our chat. It's like, it's actually been a pretty incredible year for television. And when you actually think back on some of the shows that have come out, it's kind of hard to believe they even came out in 2022 because there's been so much awesome stuff. So um, Kofi has limited us to three as I was as I was saying in the opening, so we're not going to do any honorable mentions. We're not going to try. And yeah, I thought yeah. it was thirty. Yeah, thirty. That's for the Patreon podcast that we'll do oh. at the end of the year. Then we'll oh, go through yeah. our thirty topics. But uh, no, I mean we're going to try and really cobble it down to each of our favorite three TV shows of the year. Hopefully, you guys will uh, take those as recommendations to to check out if you haven't already. And all right, let's. Who wants to start? Kofi, you already did this. You said you were, you know, a comic book. Have you? Has your list changed at all from your comic book picks? Yes. Oh, Ooh. interesting. Okay, what were your three when you, or your top ones when you were talking on comic book? Well, in the latest episode of Comic Book Nation that comes out alongside this one, that's the uh, PG version of my podcast. This is the uh, rated, well, you know the name of the podcast. Anyway, so... <laughs> For Comic Book Nation, my three were going starting at the bottom. Number three was Star Trek Stay in Strange New Worlds. Uh, number two was Severance. And number one was Star Wars Andor. Nice. Um, so, but that list has changed and I can go through it now if you'd like. So, yes. Now I'm amending. You, yeah. Go ahead and get, um, yeah. Yes. Now I'm amending my list and. I'm going to say that my number three pick is now none other than Chainsaw Man, the anime. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Strange New Worlds a lot. Don't get me wrong. It, I think it has revitalized Star Trek in a very milestone significant way. I told the story on the show about how at this year's Comic-Con, I was having a conversation with various people. I kept kind of coming back to it as a topic and asking various people for their opinion. And we all kind of agreed that like this year at the convention, we saw more Star Trek cosplay than we did Star Wars cosplay for the first time in as many years as I've been doing the convention. And it was all retro stuff. And it was all because of Strange New Worlds. And I even stopped and like talked to some people in the street and stuff. And it was just, yeah, there was a major Strange New Worlds wave through Comic-Con this year. It's really caught on. And it's given people and Paramount Plus that that in its Star Trek universe exactly what it always needed as a linchpin, which is a show that mixes classic vintage Star Trek with kind of new age modern Star Trek. Um, Picard is a little too dark, a little too violent for people and kind of despairing for people. Uh, even Discovery, with which does kind of a classic Star Trek thing in theory is is more adult with the darkness and the cursing yeah. and the violence and so this has been i mean strange new worlds and it sounds like i'm putting it up here but i'm saying it all to say 
that was my pick for a reason, but why I'm changing it is because number three, I, I think I want to represent for anime because anime is just taking over the world. And that was a big thing that happened this year. Uh, an anime movie dominated the U S box office for like a, for a minute there, which was a dragon ball, super superhero. Yeah. Um, and so like, yeah, man, you know, shout out to Tyler over there at Crunchyroll, our old buddy, Tyler, who's just oh, yeah. the anime yeah. mainstream thing. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And so like, yeah, man, I mean, anime has gone mainstream and, um, I found myself posting about this after I did the show and just making a post about how much I enjoyed, like just chainsaw man down to the opening credits. And I was just like, I don't know how I left this off my list. Like I, I should be really, you know, giving more love to this, but um, yeah, chainsaw man's the best new anime I've seen since demon slayer debuted, which was the best new anime I'd seen since my hero academia debuted. And it's just like this medium just keeps getting better and better. And I read a lot of these manga now, especially the Shonen ones, like on Shonen Jump. But there's just something about the anime format when you see it put to animation that is just, it hits so different. And Chainsaw Man's fucking crazy. It, and it's everything a show called Chainsaw Man should be. It has these kind <laughs> of modern hipster characters. It's funny. It's funny. It's violent as hell. It, it's kind of endearingly sweet. It's perverted. It has like everything. It, it is like an anime anime and it, and it looks gorgeous. Like Mappa, the production studio just did an insane job. Just in the latest episodes where the season where there's big fights have been happening and like some big villains have finally kind of surfaced have looked incredible from an animation standpoint. And so, yeah, I have a lot of people on this who don't normally get into anime, they just hear it. But if you hear the concept and the name and you're like, what the fuck can this be? And you're like, can you get people to check it out? They are a lot of them. Like pretty much my, I think my clearance rate is like 85% of people are still like in awesome. watching it. So chainsaw man's dope. Mappa did a great job and I love that series. And I've been holding off reading more of the manga. Cause I just want to enjoy the anime right now. And it's fucking incredible. So that's my number three pick. Are we going through all three or are we just going to go like just three? Uh, I mean, you can blow through like the other. I mean, talk about the other two, but like you can blow through them quicker since they're less, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I'm keeping my other two. Number two was Severance. If you guys, it's still the sleeper hit of 2022. Um, Mm -hmm. Apple TV, people don't check out Apple TV enough, but Apple TV has had a lot of good goods on there from Servant to Severance to other shit ted lasso foundation uh, for all mankind here we go yeah. for all Quest, mankind, yeah. yeah um i like the mosquito coast uh, i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff on yeah mythic quest uh is great uh, there's a lot of good stuff on apple tv but um severance was a sleeper hit of this year and i love severance because as i said on comic book nation i think no show ever made more better lemonade out of the lemon of covid production than severance yeah. did yeah. Um, severance took everything that COVID Im- like imposed that made that made TV look fucking weird. And we will go back to TV from 2021 and 22 and look at it and be like, this is fucking weird. Right. Because yeah. the blocking's all weird. You can only have a couple people in scenes. Shit's all empty all the time. Suddenly plots are resigned to these same like two office buildings and that people keep running back and forth between and shit. And severance did that and made that work so well. Um, yeah. Just a couple people in this weird open COVID-y, you know, space that was turned into a metaphor that fed into the show. 
Um, yeah. A great one of the better mysteries I've seen since Lost, yeah. just in terms of like character development and arcs and kind of using flashbacks and things that happened or things that happened on one side of this reality fence than the other. And um, yeah, and the performances and at the end of the day, it's just great performances that carry this show from just a handful of performers um, just doing their thing. So yeah, severance was so fucking dope. Um, ben Stiller directed the hell out of that. Yeah. And yeah. And I can't wait for season two. Yeah. And if you are sleeping on it, I tell people this right now is a great time because Will Smith's giving everybody Apple TV free for a while. <laughs> Go get it. And yeah. if you want something to binge over the crisp between Christmas and new years, I would say my top thing for like new show. I haven't checked out. I need something interesting to binge would be sit down and just watch all of severance. season one. Yeah, I'd agree and, with that. It's a, I mean, it's a satisfying, you know, there are other shows that we could, we could like recommend to people, but it feels like, by the end of that, if you've binged it, you're going to be like ready for season two and feel like you also watched something that you and en- you enjoyed. It wasn't like it just set up a story that you're excited to see more of. It's like it's just a good, like solid season one story, too. It's satisfying. Oh, yeah. It's one of the better season ones I've seen since Lost, like, yeah, episode for episode and just like paying off mysteries and a finale that has actual fucking twists in them where you're like, holy fuck. Yeah. And it, and it puts mysteries right in front of your face that you don't see, and like it's it's really good. Yeah. So yeah, and uh, finally uh, number one, and I'm gonna let Rob probably elaborate more on this just to keep things interesting, so I'm not talking too much. But uh, Star Wars Andor, if you haven't been listening to this podcast before now, and you you, you should, I mean if you have, you should know all the reasons why I love Andor because I think I've gushed about Andor harder on here than I did on my other show, but um. Yeah, it was just Star Wars for adults, production values for like prestige level. Um, it, 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 as people are pointing out, all and finally getting all up and down the internet, it brought Star Wars back to the real, the real deal roots, not, not fancy high fantasy kind of space night shit, but like standing up, embracing a destiny, fighting kind of fascism and darkness and oppression, the light with you know the late kind of bonding band banding together to save the day like it was never about one person in star wars it was all about you know groups of people coming together and so all of that stuff kind of really is reflected in andor um and and it feels it, and it's a show speaking to our time now and by the finale of that show i felt like god damn i know we might all some of us might die but we got to still we still got to carry out the revolution and, you know, stop <laughs> darkness thing is like, I feel like that show weirdly like programmed us to be like, all right, like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. But I might have to beat somebody with a brick of your dead body, Ben, you know, but <laughs> we're going to overcome. Dude. It's so funny when you guys, uh, when you guys were talking about that finale, I hadn't seen it yet. Right. Um, like, or, I mean, I can't remember exactly. I, I had like seen it when we decided to do like the review, but like, I think when you were talking about it previous to that, um, you had made an offhand reference because you'd seen that episode to the to the brick. And when I finally saw it, I was like, "Man, I'm glad Kofi mentioned that because I don't know if I would have meant I would have seen that otherwise." But it's such an awesome moment. I didn't see no, I didn't see it the first time either. Like I, people on Twitter, yeah. I mean, that's the thing about Andor, and like one thing I did think Disney kind of underestimated. Like there was conversation about it on Twitter. It was mostly people like pointing out things that. 
it was such a deeply woven show that like you did need Twitter to help you find everything that yeah, like yeah. it was pointing out. And I wish they had kind of put a spark behind that discussion more, but like, yeah, first time I watched that, I didn't notice that it was like when somebody on Twitter said something, and I went back and watched it again. I was like, Holy shit. He does pick up the brink for that lady's body. That's yeah. insane. But uh, yeah, it was um, in a year where we, I mean, we got as many star Wars things as I think we got Marvel shows this year. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, and She-Hulk, because she uh, was the only... And we got the special presentations, but I'm not counting those. I'm just counting the TV shows. Um, yeah, and, I mean, Andor was easily, for me, the best of all six, or of, of, of the six uh, Star Wars, Andor, Marvel TV shows we got. Like, and yeah, so that was it for me. Awesome. You want to go, Rob? Um... Uh, Question <laughs> to qualify one of my potential answers: If a show had a few episodes of its season, okay, we were talking about this, we were talking about this while you were getting ready. So oh. I had this with Yellow Jackets. I was trying to okay. figure out whether or not I could allow Yellow Jackets because Yellow Jackets is probably one of my favorite shows that I watched in 2022. But that's only because I only started watching it like basically over New Year's last year, and then the show mm-hmm. ended at the end of January. So, and like, I would include, I would include Yellow Jackets, so but carryovers I, count. Like, yes, if yeah. It, so if we, it we basically over, said, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's funny because that time period, that January February, is when I caught up on like missing. I feel like so much TV for the previous totally. two years. So, yeah, yeah. like, even things like, and this is not part of my top list, but like, like, uh, like Foundation and Succession ended the very end of 2021. So in my head, I thought they were 2022. Like, yeah, not. yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so. Let me start at number one then, since Kofi kind of uh, teed it up. But yeah, Star Wars Andor is my number one show of the year. Um, and I'm very happy and proud that we have spent like four or five episodes of podcasts just talking talking about it because it's so well-deserved, especially after a decade of, for me, being underserved from what should be uh, one of the greatest franchises. Um, right. Andor made Star Wars great. And from an industry perspective, it made Disney Plus, it proved Disney Plus can give us legitimate premium and prestige live action content that doesn't have the National Geographic brand on it. We know they kill it in animation. We, we, we all love Rebels and Clone Wars and Bad Batch Season 2 is firing up soon. Like These are great. We know that. But in live action, just like the Marvel stuff, it's been mostly okay and sometimes disappointing uh, more often than not. So it made Star Wars matter. Uh, and more importantly, it made the characters, any sort of character in Star Wars, and this larger conflict matter again. It made the decisions of leaders and, and junior leaders in this show matter as much as grunts or people you see in two episodes. All of them matter, and they're memorable, and they have moments, and they carry emotion. No other Star Wars show has done this. In fact, for very little story arcs of Disney Star Wars has done this as effectively as this show. But like Kofi said, I mean, it just gave us quality storytelling, quality character writing, coupled with quality production design. You know, it's built on smart planning where they had time to plan. And I made a mention of how we saw concept art coming out as the finale came out. That was from four years ago. They planned and then they executed. And they did that with the most talented team behind the scenes that we've seen uh, in anything Star Wars in 20 years. So that's how they did it. Um, so props to Kathleen Kennedy for making that happen and allowing it. It is a risky bet 
when people are, are, are loving all these toy-based shows with Jedi and lightsabers and, and, and fucking memberberry starships and everything and then saying, hey, here's that guy who died uh, in that <laughs> movie that had like no Jedi. Um, we're going to give him his own show on these planets you never heard of. No Tatooine. Um, and there's going to be no Millennium Falcon. Uh, no Jedi temples. Uh, and they did it. And it, it's the best thing they've done. So uh, for that reason, Andor is my number one. Um, it is hard to pick three. Number two, how I'm qualifying my top three is shows I thought were, for me, like absolute must-watches the moment it aired or the moment I got a screener. Um, and, you know, we're very fortunate to see a lot of screeners for a lot of shows. But um, number two uh, is Rick and Morty for me which may seem like a basic answer. We've talked about Rick and Morty a few times. Ben, you're still kind of catching up on this show. But um, when there's a new episode, even though it's only 20 minutes long, like I just get – it's just like it's always satisfying no matter what they it's do. It's funny. I queued up that right now when you asshole stop talking and press and play. <laughs> there you go, man. It's, it's, it's by far to me the most rewatchable show maybe ever for me. Like I remember taking my brother to Disney World many, many years ago and he brought his like bulky ass laptop and we're in like the hotel room at night. He's chilling out. We just watched episodes. And this, back, this is back when only two or three seasons were out. We would just watch episode after episode after episode. And I've seen them all numerous times and it just never gets old. There's no other show that does that. Um, it's crazy to me, but I, I love how this season, you know, more than the previous seasons, really is poking fun at itself, um, both in terms of its structure and and like these internal callbacks. Uh, it even make, pokes fun at and always mentions like the the increasing complaints online, even like saying go back to the you know season one formula, and they make fun of that and like make fun of how they don't understand what that complaint means yeah. in the narrative of the show. And there's also episodes which are straight up literally like literally like a meta joke. Or they joke about the meta. It's like just it's so many layers deep. I can't even comprehend it sometimes. Um, and I also have that this season they kind of got experimental with having these parody like episodes. There's an episode that reminds me of like the movie Us, for example, with the, the night people or whatever. And it's like other weird episodes where they they're taking uh, tropes and also kind of scenery from from pop culture, other sci-fi and fantasy epics, and kind of doing their own version of that while also making fun of it. It just works well in that formula. Um, it, it's getting more ridiculous this season, but it's also not getting old. Um, and there's also more pop culture references than ever before. I think this season and it's working like it just, it just, it just works for me. So um, I love it. I think there's one more episode left. The next one is the season finale. I think um, you've already, uh, I have screened just the first nine. I'm not sure where they're at, but I think yeah, the season now. finale is tonight. It's tonight. Oh my God. Well, shit, there you go. Yeah. Um, um I know we're not supposed to do honorable mentions, but if you do like Rick and Morty, watch Solar Opposites. It's very underrated and doesn't get enough attention. Um, Justin Roiland also does Solar Opposites. It's a very clever show. Um, okay, number three. Uh, I have so many things here. Like Kofi mentioned Strange New Worlds. Like that, I feel the same way about that in Star Trek. It's an incredible show. Um, but also on Paramount Plus was a show no one talks about, um, but it was its number two rated show uh, in Q1 of this year, is The Mayor of Kingstown. Uh, with my boy Jeremy Renner. Have you guys watched this? I have not. But oh, so yeah. Heard good things. Yeah. So it. Taylor Sheridan, it's a Taylor Sheridan show. So I know Yellowstone in that universe is the biggest thing on TV. I have seen not even one episode of that. Uh, although I generally enjoy the Taylor Sheridan films like Sicario and, and also starring Jeremy Renner, Wind River. Uh, that's a pretty cool movie if you haven't seen that. Um, the Mayor of Kingstown is like a 10 episode Paramount Plus like series about this guy who's sort of 
Renner's character becomes the mayor of Kingstown, and what the mayor represents is this person who's like keeping the peace in this city of prisons. Um, he's got connections through all the criminals and gangs on the outside and all the factions on the inside. He's also got family and friends with the police. So he's like the mediator of all these things. He does favors for everyone to kind of keep the peace and all the craziness that ensues. So it's a really, really, really great show with kind of a wild first episode. Um, so if you haven't seen this show, it's, it's very good adult TV. Um, and uh, yeah, it doesn't get, get enough attention because it kind of came out at a weird time when other big bangers were coming out. So, um, but I think it's one of it's it's a, it's a deserved flagship show that's not like your Star Trek or South Park um, on Paramount Plus. So I'll leave that as my number three as my obscure pick. That's awesome. I uh, yeah, so I'm almost caught up on Rick and Morty now. So I'm at the beginning of season six. Nice. Um, so I I'm started like I I've seen most of it, uh, and I, I'm excited to start Solar Opposites because that also sounds like when you guys were talking to me about that, the the premise of that sounds hilarious. Um, as well but but yeah i'm i'm kind of excited to like unpack rick and morty season six with you guys once i've once i've watched the uh the end of it mm-hmm. but um and i need to check out mayor of kingstown this definitely seems like something that would be out my alley so um for me severance is uh is my number one i i'm kind of with kofi it, it just whether it's kind of us coming out of covid and all these COVID productions or exactly what it was about that show that I, I really responded to. It was a great puzzle box, just great performances, interesting acting, um, like interesting choices and just like kind of a very weird central mystery to that, that you only start to kind of even crack open towards the end of season one. So for me, it's a great puzzle box show, which I always, I always like shows like that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I had a hard time with like the rest of my picks. I, so you know, I mean, there's a ton of crap that I really enjoyed this year. Like, you know, Rob and I talk about For All Mankind a lot. And I, I would love to highlight For All Mankind as like one of my top, top three. But like, you know, season four, I don't think makes it into my top three. You know, The Boys was really great this season. Um, I didn't get to watch Blackbird. Did either of you guys watch Blackbird? But I heard that was really yeah. good. I think that might be my holiday, my holiday binge. That's on Apple TV as well. Jeez, um, that's a real, real, real spirit of the season right there. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, and like, you know, Harley Quinn season, like I love the Harley Quinn animated series. I love Miss Marvel. There's just a ton of stuff. 1899, which I want to set it to three picks for anybody reasoning. I know. I just say that you like the whole world. Yeah. Well, four star review. Tell us your picks. OK, your top three. Last thing I'm going to say is I still do want to talk 1899 with you guys and you guys should totally be watching dark. The two of you, since you haven't, so you guys should watch dark over the holidays and we should talk about it. And then you should watch 1899. But, um, so I, but you know what the show that like I ended up talking the most about is house of the dragon. Like I, I can't say that it's the best show necessarily of 2022, but I don't think probably since like, you know, early COVID when we were all watching tiger King or something, um, was there a show that just like everybody was watching? And I felt like anytime I went out to dinner with anybody or, you know, like I had a couple events that I went to and I was, there were a lot of people I didn't know at these events. Like it was a birthday party for a friend or something like, and I'd see someone I hadn't talked to in a while and we talk about TV and I could just talk about house of the dragon with them for, you know, for an hour. And it's like, everybody was so into that team green team black. Um, you know, we obviously talked about it a lot. But I, f- I feel like that was like a really special just experience kind of coming out of COVID, finally getting like 
a big budget kind of franchise TV show that was appointment television that everybody was talking about every week. Like, I really can't think of a lot of shows like that over the past couple of years. And so for that reason, um, it's it's certainly one of my favorite shows of, of 2022. And I am excited for, you know, where that show is headed whenever we get to catch back up with it in, uh, in 2024, I think is probably when we'll see more episodes of that. But um, so that was, you know, that's a bit of an obvious pick, but... But I do think it it was something special and something that that I thoroughly enjoyed kind of participating in. The last thing I will say, and it's funny we were talking about this earlier, is my third pick was Peacemaker, um, which I th- I don't know. Like I was watching this one kind of by myself. Like Ashley wasn't, you know, isn't like into DC stuff all that much, and obviously, like you know, this sort of has its own sense of humor, but. But I, I really looked forward to it every week. And every week I felt like it was, you know, I had a lot of fun with it. It was creative. It was bringing in DC characters that I was, you know, interesting seeing adapted. And um, I just thought it was, I thought it was well done. And I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I'm just a huge Eagly fan. I, th- I remember that, you know, episode one, I think it was episode one fight with, you know, with the with the first chick that he like takes home after the bar, and it's kind of like you don't really know what's going on, and then they're just like beating the shit out of each other in this in this apartment. I just I loved how absurd that show was, and I loved John Cena's Peacemaker, and I thought it did a lot to kind of tie into you know it was one of the kind of like hardest to watch parts of the Suicide Squad was like losing Rick Flag because that character was really great in especially I would say in the Suicide Squad. And the fact that kind of like, you know, we actually got a TV series that sort of dealt with the character that that did that and and how kind of they were trying to become something better than what they were um, as part of that kind of motley crew. Like, I, I don't know. I just really dug it. I, uh, and I'm excited. I'm excited for more of it. And um, and yeah, so it's kind of an odd, oddball kind of way to to end. But I, I did think that that show was kind of unique and something special. Um, amidst all these other shows that we we've been watching wow none of us picked stranger things for which is kind of crazy yeah i mean again similar to you know the stuff i listed off earlier i think that's a really great show i and i but i I don't know you know i feel like it was more stranger things and i i like stranger things but i mean it was pretty special but you know what man like so was like um like I, I was thinking about Barry as well. It was a great fucking show. Uh, yeah. so I had Barry like, in. I did a bunch of honorable mentions on my show, and Barry was one of them. Yeah, yeah I did. Uh, I'll just reread my honorable mentions on that. I had Chainsaw Man as my first honorable mention. Um, I had Barry because I mean that episode alone with the bike tracking sequence episode yeah. this season yeah. was amazing, and just the general the whole season was pretty amazing. Um, the final seasons of Atlanta and Better Call Saul were both fucking amazingly done and just did some the last episode of atlanta was if you know you know what there's a whole thing about them going to eat in a sushi restaurant that's so fucking funny to me that will live on in my soul forever um it's a whole metaphor uh anyway um yeah so better call saul i mean brought meaning to breaking bad i mean it made breaking bad better just like kind of Andor made rogue one even better yeah. Um, yeah, though, and they landed Better Call Saul, which is ambitious because there was so much to do in that in, in that prequel, interquel, sequel format they had going, and they and they made good on that. Um, yeah, 
And I'm like, yeah, and Stranger Things 4 um, owned Summer. That shit owned Summer. We That break, that yeah. was like Netflix was brilliant. The Boys was brilliant this year with Jensen yeah. Eccles. Yep. It, was, it was a great year on TV, man. Yeah. Um, the Sandman surprise. Yeah, that that's the message oh, I want to say. Sandman, that was the uh, last one because like yeah. people were coming for me. Yeah, threw the Sandman in there because Sandman was also I, I had never even liked the Sandman books until Sandman. I saw the series. And so yeah, yeah, I mean it was just a great year in TV. None uh, of you guys said uh Obi-Wan either. Fuck that. <laughs> Don't get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Um <laughs> I was gonna say uh, to the point you said at the very beginning. Ben, it's an incredible year for TV. It really was. And, you know, we always talk about, I, I love talking about the idea of like the streaming wars and what that means, where like there, there has to be these like tent pole content releases on all of these streamers to stay relevant. So we're getting more and more premium content, which takes up the space of there being less theatrical hits, right? And of course, there's yeah. no mid tier movies anymore. You don't get that. that. Those become streaming series that are six, eight, 10, 12 episodes. Um, but I want to call out something which is an interesting surprise this year. You know, like, it's very well documented and publicized how much money our man Bezos spent for his pet project, Rings of Power. Um, yeah. A fat half a bill for that property and yeah. another half a billion to produce season one somehow. Uh, and it's a show I really enjoyed. We talked about that versus House of the Dragon. But, man, this year for Prime, like beyond that, like they had Paper Girls, which sadly got canceled. But it was a cool fucking show if you haven't seen it. They had The Boys Season 3 and the animated spinoff. I know Kofi mentioned The Boys. It was really awesome. They had the old man with Jeff Bridges. It's getting a season two. If you haven't seen that, you should. That was Hulu. Um, yeah, I don't want you to get hit up. That was Hulu. That oh, was shit. Hulu. You're right. That's a Hulu FX thing. Oh, crush yeah. that one. Um, uh, out of range, maybe is what I'm thinking of. Is oh, the, the bear. One? Yeah, yeah. The bear was something I threw the in bo- there. The bear's too. an FX. Yeah, the yeah, bear. Yeah. yeah. As an honorable but, but, mention, yeah. Uh, on the, I still haven't seen that. Some of us must watch this, but oh, um, God, that was awesome. sticking to Amazon. They had the old, yeah. uh, they had, um, sorry, what's what I'm thinking of? The Brolin one, uh, Outer Range, which ha- had like lost yeah. vibes for me. Yeah. Um, Reacher, which I loved. The oh, Terminal, which was shit. okay. Reacher, um, fuck. Yeah, right? That was a great Oh, movie. that was this year. Oh, man. I shot Reacher that in my great. backyard. By the way, I just figured this out. Mayor Kingstown, uh, season two just wrapped, I don't know, in October, November or something. And it, it starts up in a couple of weeks. Um, they shot that like 10 minutes from where I live. Like, I can't <laughs> believe it. I, if had I known, I would have driven down there and said, what up? Yeah. Best adventure? Damn. Um, anyway, season three, I guess. But yeah, big big year for Amazon. I know we talk about like the, like the Netflix stuff and the hits of bangers. And by the way, this year's not even over. We have Jack Ryan coming to Amazon in like a week or two. And then uh, The Witcher, what, Blood Origin or whatever, is coming to uh, yeah. Netflix soon too. So it's, it's the big year is not even over yet. Yeah, I can't believe I a, forgot about Reacher. God damn, that was a great show. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, there was a this. I mean, it was a crazy year for television. I like. I can't. I guess it is just what you were talking about. It's like you know, more of the stuff is getting turned into like limited series to fuel the to fuel the streaming wars and everything. But were you watching the Peripheral? I forget if you were watching. That. I, I, that's oh, what yeah. I was about to mention. I just finished it yesterday, actually. Yeah, yeah. Is that worth watching? I finished it a day or two. Yeah. I still uh-huh. don't know what's going on, but I loved it. It's, it's my, it's, I mean, that's my kind of thing, right? Like, so I. That's it. It's it's a cool sci-fi concept. I think the writing's pretty. Like, uh, there are some notable omissions and sloppiness in the last couple episodes, but I think it's it's cool enough and and weird enough that they can really fill it in nicely if they if they do a season two. So yeah. Um, uh, I was I would have had She Hulk on there too if we'd have had like maybe a top ten because I really enjoyed watching that with Ashley. Like Ashley really liked it, and it was like one of the first Marvel things that Ashley's probably like. No, She Hulk was my about. six or seven. It was my yeah. favorite. It, it topped, I think, my favorite Marvel. 
Yeah. Uh, like out of like our face for TV yeah. show. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. I just, uh, yeah, it didn't make top three for me, but like, but yeah, but there, yeah, I mean, there was a lot, there was a lot to like, I really do want you guys to watch dark, like dark though. So we can talk about it. Cause man, I, I love relax on dark. You, you hear how many series we rattled off, man. There's so much. Dude, my haven't watched list is 25 shows right here. <laughs> you're talking, and yeah. you're talking about things I got to read the subtitles on, which yeah, longer than 20 minutes of anime. This, I'm yeah. telling you, man, Odar, Odar and freeze the people behind dark and, uh, and 1899, those two, like, I don't know. Like, I would love to see them do something like in DC or Marvel or something. Because I don't know. I mean, I guess it'd be a waste in some ways. Cause, oh but. my god, my writ, my both my lists were so wrong. Oh my god, I've been doing two shows. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Did you find something hey, else you missed while I was thinking about this. <laughs> Amazon also had the English and the leg. I think they had the Legend of Vox Machina right this year. If I remember, correctly. yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. So there's two more bangers on Amazon. Oh, no, that was last year. Okay. Woof. Time has moved fast. What were you thinking of? I thought I missed Squid Game. I was like, holy fuck. Oh, no, I thought that too. I checked my calendar. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I was like, if I missed Squid Game, like, that was unacceptable because, yeah, that was. I mean, I still can't believe that Yellow Jackets was last year. Like, I mean, when we were talking about that earlier, when is Squid Game season two coming out? Is it going to be next year? They haven't dated it, I don't think. Oh, they don't bring that old man back. <laughs> oh man. That god, that what a great show though. A fucked up show, but a great show. Um all right, anything else you guys wanna um is there anything you're like really look well, I mean we can do a, a future looking twenty twenty three. Most anticipated thing. will be later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys have to stick around and wait for that. But um cool. All right. Well, I mean, unless you guys have anything else, that does it for this week's episode. Um you wanna talk about where people can find you on the uh on the interwebs, Mr. Rob Keys? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Rob underscore Keys. That's K-E-Y-E-S. And uh, you can check out our stuff on Screen Rant. And uh, I am FailCube on Instagram and the Twitch, should Twitter die. Some Kofi Outlaw. I'm Kofi Outlaw everywhere at all times. And you can find my work over at comicbook.com. And you can find me doing another show, uh, much more controlled, and less raw, riggedy raw, every week on Comic Book Nation. That's comic book, one word, nation. And uh, yeah, you can watch us on YouTube. And on YouTube, you can watch us on Paramount Plus, or you can download us from your favorite podcast platforms. And if you want a double dose of your boy Outlaw, I'm also on Podcast X for the uncensored version. So yeah, you can okay. find me all these places in these different versions. So you pick what uh. suits you. All right. Well, you can follow me at Ben Kendrick on you know Twitter, Macedon, The Hive, whatever else we're gonna be uh, going forward, and uh, and yeah, we will see you guys next week. We'll be talking about Avatar: The Way of Water, as well as you know maybe recapping kind of our favorite movies of the year. We'll do something something similar here. I meant to ask you, I get like before we go, just really quickly. Are you guys excited to see Avatar? I feel like I feel like my excitement is still relatively it's I'm not even like a I'm counting James Cameron out. I'm sure the movie's gonna be like, you know, eye popping spectacle and I'll probably like it more than I think I will, but I'm still kind of shocked at how much people liked it coming out of that that yeah. London and LA premiere. It's like I mean like I get people were flown out and stuff, but like I still think even if it's just more Avatar, I'm gonna be like, okay, cool. 
I was on mute. I said, ask me in 24 hours after I've seen it. Yeah, I'm seeing it tomorrow. People were really enthused in London. People were less enthused in In other markets. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. Um, But I know, all I know is I'm getting psyched. Uh, I just got to make it through three hours and 15 minutes of this shit tomorrow. It's like, I'm excited for it. I I know it's going to be quality. It's going to be such an experience, but it, it just. The weight of it, it just feels like a heavy thing. And it's not just the, the running time. You just know there's going to be so much fucking craziness in this film. So it's yeah. like such a heavy experience. I have to, you know, I will do it. I'm very excited to see it. But it's, I, I know what you're saying, though. I don't, I'm not feeling the buzz right now, even though like, I am anticipating it, you know? Well, that's it. I feel like we had all these people shouting in our ears being like, oh, my God, it exceeded my expectations. It's so awesome. Don't count James Cameron out. And then I was still sort of left feeling like, Oh man, like my press screening is on Monday and I'm going to watch this thing. It's going to be three and a half hours and like, it's going to be more Avatar, which I liked, but I also didn't love Avatar the way, I mean, I think we were, well, no, we talked about this last time. Like Avatar predates our time together, right? Cause it was like 2007 no, or something. Oh, not me. I covered the mark. I wrote the big yeah, feature. Where's like, the marketing for this movie? Yeah, went to the you motherfucker. You just probably me. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I was, uh, no. I was around. I guess because it was 2009. No, me so, and Allison yeah. had to haul it up to New York because I had to move home. It was this was after grad school. I had just moved back down to Philadelphia, and then I finally started getting access. I got invited to the like pre- like the preview of Avatar, yeah. like the first one they did in New York. So me and Allison had to make a whole day of going from Philadelphia up to New York just to watch this 15 minute preview that just so I could find a place, a bar to like hammer out some stuff and get it up on screen rant after that. And then we went back to the theater like an hour later and watched Inglorious Bastards. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, It was like all for that assignment. So, yeah, we were hustling about this. Yo, I remember. I remember early that year, or maybe end of 08, like writing about this pretty big. It was becoming noteworthy among the trades about like the amount of money being spent on this film, and no one had seen anything about it except this weird concept art and like off put quotes about what these navis should look like and how attractive they should be. And I remember (laughs) writing this big feature about like, where's the marketing and do they need it? And like, I like, well, a year before it came out. And I also remember my very first San Diego Comic Con, you know, it was the 09. It was the, the, you guys might remember this. I remember. Before we had access, before that was a thing, before press took it over, I had to wait in the Hall H line at like four in the morning with my friend who flew out there with me. Kofi, it was the first year I went and met. It was just you, me, and two others, I think. Um, and uh, it was this big kerfuffle because they timed it to come right before Twilight New Moon, which was the biggest thing in pop right. culture at the time. And all the New Moon fans were waiting in line, taking up all the spots for Avatar. So they, at the last minute, they switched the order so the Twilight fans would go in theoretically leave and all the other people go in and see avatar um and avatar was a big deal because it was the first time james cameron came to comic-con and it was the first time they did 3d in a comic-con um and it was probably the 15 minute preview kofi ended up saying but it was like a 15 20 minute preview of a couple scenes in 3d and it was like right then and there you're like oh man this shit is something different but uh to answer your question ben i had loved the first one i saw it like three or four times in theaters I, yeah, so I guess I was I, I was around at that time because you, you and I were working joined, on Game Rant. But. So you joined Game Rant at the end of 09. So it was like when that movie came out was when you joined yeah. us in, on the Game Rant yeah, side. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. right. Yeah. But like I uh, – yeah, I mean, you know, I liked it. I thought it was I thought it was stunning. I like – you know, I like the characters. I'm interested in the world. I just – I don't know. I don't know. I'm just kind of interested in other stuff right now. It's not something that scratches my itch. So I'm very – 
I am very interested to see it. I'm excited. I'm optimistic. I'm not like shitting on it. I just, man, when everybody was coming out of London being like, he did it again, you know, and I'm thinking back on Cameron's, you know, filmography and there's not much there that I don't love. And he reinvents things constantly. And, you know, Terminator two as an example. And, you know, I mean, I don't think I would have ever given a shit about Titanic the way that I did. So I, uh, I'm optimistic, but I'm, I, yeah, I don't feel the hype. I don't feel my internal hype. I feel the external hype at this point. So I, uh, I'm curious to see, see what I actually think of it. Well, but. remember until you see it, you cannot know the way of water, Ben. That's right. I, I think that's it. Like once you know the way of water, you appreciate the way of water at a whole new level. So, wow. Uh, well, buckle in, Ben. You got three more after this on the way. Oh, God. Unless this one. T- I loved his quote where he's like, I don't know. Maybe people won't like this. <laughs> he was just like, and then we just won't do those movies. I was kind of like, well. No, I mean, they'll come. They, they, well, yeah. the for third one's already in the can. They shot that five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's the other two we got to worry about. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, guys. Well, we'll be back for uh, for our review of Avatar The Way of Water. Hopefully, we all liked it. Um, but we'll see you then. <laughs>